0: informative and entertaining the aaron rand show catch Aaron live weekdays 3 to 7 on cjad 800
1: time for Tuesday day here on the show this afternoon kelly alexander from virgin is here and uh kel I- i'm very excited because mm-hmm. i heard you mention we were just talking off there before yep. we started I heard you mention Macy Gray. Yes. Now, I got to tell you, I was a huge... If people remember, Mm -hmm. Macy Gray, fair to say, probably had one of the most distinctive voices in all of music, I was going to say at the time. Probably still, you'd recognize Macy Gray from a million miles away. 1,000%. And then things kind of went to hell in a Mm handbasket for her, right? And I thought she was done, so I'm excited to know we have something coming up. Yes, we do. That having been said, what are we starting with? We're going to
2: start with Bon Jovi, Aaron.
1: They're still recording...
2: (laughs) (laughs) They are. Really? Uh, They've just dropped a new song called Labor of Love from their upcoming album, This House Is Not For Sale, which actually drops on the 21st of October. Their first new album Erin, since uh, 2013's What About Now? And it's their first major release since the departure of one Mr. uh, Richie Sambora. He's out of the group.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if John Bon Jovi was still involved, because I see him now in TV commercials, so I figured he's sold out and he's no longer interested in music, but he is he's part of Bon Jovi. He's still okay the then. main
2: man, still the main songwriter from what I understand, and uh, the band, by the way, is going to be uh, playing their entire new album. It sounds like they've got a new way of doing things where they want to actually play this album in its entirety. So they've got a gig on the 10th of October in London. Uh, they're going to play the Palladium, and they're playing, it sounds like, just the new album like no other really? things. Yeah, they want to I think really get out okay. what they've just produced So
1: usually groups do that with like greatest hits or I mean collections of albums that people remember But mm-hmm. this is a brand new album. And that's all they're gonna tour it, with. it
2: sounds like at least for this one gig okay. And it sounds like he he wants to go down okay. that route
1: any yeah. Canadian dates that we know for this not okay. as of yet All right, let's take a listen. What's it called?
2: Uh, this is the, the the song called labor of love.
1: There you go Walks are fly. I know where this is
2: Know where this
1: is going when your uh, that sounds so un-Bon Jovi-like to me for just a second. I'm trying to identify the group it sounds exactly like, and I can't. But mm-hmm. anyway, you, you've listened to this? The
2: ladies swoon for him. Yeah, yeah, I know. Always have. Especially Montreal ladies. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. It's like a thing here.
1: I like when they built the runway for him last time he was here. So he gets to actually walk out and walk right up to someone sitting in their seat. I thought that was pretty amazing. So good for him. You can get away with it.
2: Yeah, for sure. And he's- How old uh, is John Bon
1: Jovi now? Like 80?
2: Or 54, maybe. Something like that. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
1: So there you go. Brand new Bon Jovi coming out- when? October 21st. All right, cool. What's yeah. next?
2: So here's your chance with your dis- your distinctive Miss uh, Miss Macy Gray. Kay. She's back with a new album. It's called Stripped. And this new disc is actually jazz-infused, and it was recorded using one microphone in a church in Brooklyn. Uh, the CD features uh, new songs, covers, and new arrangements of some of her classic hits, like I Try, and I brought that one for you because it's oh, really great. awesome. So take a listen Here to this. There you end. go.
1: Wow, what a different feel! That is a jazz song, huh? Crazy,
2: huh? And she's awesome. I've interviewed her a few times, yeah. and she—I asked her once. I said, uh, "If you had a movie being made about your life, who would you want to play you?" And without missing a beat, she goes, "Britney Spears." Serious? <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome, and uh, you're gonna love this too, Aaron. One of the songs she covers on the album Stripped, uh, a Metallica song, "Nothing Else Matters." That's gonna be crazy. a Metallica
1: song. Yeah. One mic in a church. Macy Gray yep. doing jazz standards and Metallica and stuff to Metallica. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Wow, got to check that out. All right. Yep. All right. Next up.
2: Yeah. Next up is uh, someone who we who we love very much down the hall at Virgin. Uh, his name is The Weeknd, and uh, he's got uh, he's back with a new single called Starboy, which actually is a feature or it features Daft Punk. So Daft Punk worked with mm-hmm. him on this on this song.
1: By the way, Daft Punk are the guys with the helmets, right? Yeah, that's them, the he's futuristic dudes seen. from okay. France.
2: Yeah, and so uh, we've been playing this a lot, and it's one of the most most added songs on uh, pop radio in the last like four days. The weekend. The weekend.
1: Spelled without any before Kind. Yeah, it's right, N okay. D.
2: Yeah, and it's, and it's called Starboy. Here we
1: go. <laughs> 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 You know, I got to tell. That's kind of cool. That's very the weekend. Mm -hmm. Although personally, I'm not embarrassed to say it. If I think the weekend is actually Drake with different (laughs) hair.
2: He cut his hair. Actually, he yeah. has a new do for this See, album. See, more
1: reason to think there's something going on it's here. It's true. They sound very much the same alike, mm-hmm. don't they?
2: And I think there might be a collaboration coming down the line at some point. And by the way, uh, he will have a new album out the weekend, November 25th.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up are where are they now? Act today, yes! and we're only doing this because they were in the news this week. I heard mm-hmm. a country group do a cover, and then I heard they're going back or they're getting a residency. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on, but you have. We're talking I do. about. The Backstreet Boys.
2: Yes. So uh, as you may remember, Aaron, they came together in the early 90s. Lots of success in like 95, 96. Uh, especially here in Quebec, they got their start obviously here, and then it went sort of around the world. Uh, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. What do you mean they got their start here? Well,
2: they got noticed here. Really? First. Yeah, yeah. If you actually watch their documentary, which they put out, I want to say in 2015, maybe the beginning of the year, yeah. uh, show them what you got. It's what, it, Or show them what you're made of is what the documentary is called. And uh, yeah, they, they actually thank... Quebec because they got a lot of of response here first because they couldn't get they couldn't they could sing on a a corner and not get noticed in the States and then they got big here they got big over in Europe and then boom here comes the Americans so anyways uh so obviously lots of success in the 90s including their 1999 album Millennium which is still one of the biggest selling albums of all time they moved over 40 million copies of that album uh things slow down as they usually do and um Sort of quiet for a while in the early 2000s. Uh, One of their group members, Kevin Richardson, left the group for a bit, came back in 2012. They've been back ever since. And now they've announced that they're going to be in Las Vegas uh, starting next year from March to July. They'll have a residency. They'll probably extend it after they see how well it goes. It's going to be called Larger Than Life, which is one of their album names and one of their song title names. And uh, Brian Luttrell, one of the members, says uh, the show is going to be like a regular BSB concert except on steroids.
1: All right, residency where at the Hard Rock or uh, somewhere? Planet you know? uh, Hollywood, Hollywood and tickets okay. go on
2: sale October 1st.
1: Very cool. Where are they now? Remember these guys? There you go. If you're a Backstreet Boys fan, you get to see them again. Yeah. Apparently on steroids. Kelly, thank you so much. You are Kelly welcome. Alexander with Tunes Day. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Aaron Rand podcast. Hear the show live weekdays three to seven on CJAD 800.
3: And Hillary, I just ask you this: You've been doing this for thirty years. Why are you just thinking about these solutions right now? For 30 years you've been doing it, and now you're just starting to think of solutions. Well, actually, I will bring, means- excuse me, I will bring back jobs. You can't bring back jobs. Well, actually, um, I have thought about this quite a bit. Yeah, for 30 and years. I have, uh, well, not quite that long and we don't have the money because it's been squandered on so many of your ideas. What's and you're maybe because your you next- haven't paid any federal income tax for a lot of years. And the other thing I think is important is it to would point be squandered too. Is, Believe it. You know, I made a mistake using a private email. That's for sure. Um, and if I had to do it over again I would obviously do it differently. Um, but I'm not going to make any excuses. It was a mistake and I take responsibility for that. It went before a judge who was a very against police judge what? Uh, it was taken away from her and our mayor our new mayor uh, refused to go forward with the case they would have won her appeal if you look at it throughout the country there are many places See, where the it's argument allowed. is that it is, it's a form of racial profiling no the argument is that we have to take the guns away from these people that have them and that are bad people that shouldn't have them clinton doesn't want to use a couple of words and that's law and order. and We need law and order. If we don't have it, we're not going to have a country. And when I look at what's going on in Charlotte, a city I love, a city where I have investments, of when I look at what's going on throughout various parts of our country, whether it's — I mean, I can just keep naming them all day long sure. — we need law and order in our country. And I just got today uh, the, as you know, the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police. We just uh, just came in. Uh, we have endorsements from, I think, almost every police group, very, I mean, a large percentage of them in the United States. I
1: get I think you get an idea. You know what's amazing to me listening to all that. Those are just, you, know, highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to call them from last night's debate as disjointed as they seem, that's how the debate last night seemed. So those are not even even taken out of context. They don't sound that different from what the debate went last night or how it went last night. Kamara Clifton's a political commentator on the line right now. Uh, Let's get your take on this, Kamara. First of all, overall, was there a winner here?
4: Actually, you know what? I think it was a draw. And the reason is that the way you think of winners and losers, and by the way, Erin, thanks for having me on again. Um, The way I think of winners and losers is that uh, in some way, Uh, a winner would bring uh, some of the doubters or the people on the fence over to their point of view or their way of thinking, uh, and a loser would lose ground. Well, none of those things happen. So um, Donald Trump won the online polls, every single one of them, actually, and was declared the winner in that way. But what that might mean is that more of his people went and declared him that. That doesn't necessarily mean that any new people came to say that. So I think it was a draw. And I think that uh, they both made mistakes. I think he made more tactical mistakes than did she. But, but overall, I would say a draw.
1: You know, I read someone calling this basically a battle of preparation versus a battle of instincts. That pretty much how it played out to you?
4: Well, yes and no. Um, so in, it, it wasn't a battle in my mind, so much as it was a tug of war. Um, You know, it was so clear to me as I watched painfully the the full, you know, 90 minutes and all the prep before and all the the pundits afterward, that um, she had prepared beautifully, by the way, which is, you know, not not surprising. She had prepared beautifully uh, the opportunity for her one-liners and to zing him. And, um, And he was committed not to um, revert to snarkiness or interruptions, and she punched enough of his buttons after about 30 minutes that he lost control of that. So it was this back-and-forth kind of thing. I, a battle is where you have an issue and somebody wins the point. Nobody did that. They just argued amongst themselves without really much regard for the impact it was having on all of us. And I found that to be incredibly boring and not very productive.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, obviously talking about the audience for this, which we now understand was somewhere up around 80 million people, according to CNN. Uh, everyone kept saying, the analysts I was watching last night kept saying, this is unlike any presidential debate we have ever seen before. Is that a fair statement? Can you ever remember anything the way this went I, down I, I last night? I think it
4: is a fair statement, and I'll tell you what. I thought if there was a loser in the debate last night, it was Lester Holt. Um, it was so obvious from the very beginning that he was all in for Hillary Clinton, and, and he only interrupted her seven times, and I think he interrupted um, Donald Trump, which you is know, not a great shock, but it was over 40 times. But he, he tried to fact-check. Um, Donald Trump. And he was wrong, especially he was wrong about, um, you know, stopping for us. So anyway, I, but here's the thing. I hope that the town hall, which is, um, I believe, next week, I hope that goes better, because that format is more from uh, the audience to the candidates, and, and then they respond to that. Um, and I, I think, that will be better for both of them, actually.
1: Uh, are you suggesting? I want to see if I understand this. And I know there's been a lot of debate about Lester Holt's performance as the moderator. Frankly, I didn't think he did all that badly. I think it's kind of difficult. The, the couple of times where he interrupted Donald Trump or tried to at least get him back on track, because I think Donald Trump had a tendency to ramble last night. Uh, and at times, oh, of course, inc- that is that yeah. is uh,
4: raison d'etre is to keep repeating himself until you agree.
1: Right, and and, and incoherent at other times, but. As soon as Lester Holt would try to say something, Donald Trump would say, excuse me, that was his line. That was his comeback, at which point, if you're the moderator, you're not going to get into a fight with the guy. You just have to back off and let him say what he wants to say.
4: Well, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't actually the reason that I judged uh, Holt's performance harshly. Um, he, he admonished the crowd when they supported Trump, and he did not do that when they supported uh, Clinton. He, he gave her really softball kind of things. And then he went after Trump, and I, I know that he, he wasn't obligated by the commission to share the questions or what have you. I have moderated on a local level, on a state level, many, many debates with up to five people in them. And I will tell you that it's incumbent on the person moderating the debate to set the tone of civility and fairness, and that did not happen with him last night.
1: Do you think that changes with different moderators going forward? Because we know there's a different moderator for each remaining debate.
4: Well, I think that that he was in the uh, Candy Crowley um, School of Moderation last night, which was wrong. I hope, and I can't remember right this minute who the moderator is for the town hall, but they will have a much lesser role. That's more of a of a timekeeper situation because mm-hmm. the questions actually come from the audience. And so it's a, it's a completely different format. And I think one which will be much more revealing of the kinds of things that as Americans and actually in, within, in the world, we need to know what their actual plan is uh, from their description of it, and, and in contrast to the other one. Uh, we didn't really get that last night, and I'm hoping that we get uh, a better feel for that in the... Um, In the town hall format,
1: so I'm just curious as a final question. Based on what you saw last night, you're calling this, for all intents and purposes, a draw. Any voters swayed last night by the performance of either of the candidates?
4: Well, you know, this is funny. The only group that I think um, may have had a confirmation, if you will, are the people who were going to sit it out. I mean, the fact that they underestimate that that they actually overestimated the number of people who would watch this, and I, I forgot to look and see what the football game drew. Um, I don't know if it was under or over their typical audience if that had an impact on it. But but that says to me that people have already decided and that this is an exercise in more publicity around each of their campaigns. And that's not really what these debates are supposed to be. They are supposed to be informative in a way that you can't get off the campaign trail. And I don't see that this really added
1: anything to that. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Mary. I appreciate your time this afternoon.
4: God bless you, and thank you for having you me. Bet. Take care.
1: Kamara Clifton, political commentator uh, on her take, getting emails while this is going on, text messages rather saying, I'm sorry, was she watching the same debate, calling that a draw? So you can see the two sides, pretty, uh, pretty radical division here between people who thought Trump won the event which are most of his supporters, and people who thought Clinton won the event, which would be most of hers. But I think most people overall, in just reading the analysts' her take on this, believe that Clinton was the winner in last night's debate. Interesting. You're listening to the Aaron Rand
0: Podcast. Hear the show live weekdays 3 till 7 on CJAD 800. That's James
1: Venny over at the Montreal Gazette. So, Jim, before anything else, uh, we found that a little over an hour ago, the city has passed that pit bull ban. Just curious, uh, are we going to be going to court on this pretty soon, do you think?
5: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, here's my fearless, here's my fearless, uh, uh, my, a magic trick I can do. I don't, I'm not in the studio right now, and I can tell you right now, the back of your text board is already sparking and smoking with the comments coming down <laughs> on the decision yeah. to adopt this bylaw. Of course, it's going to be challenged in court. The whole thing was a knee jerk reaction to a very tragic incident. That occurred last June. And this is where things get kinky because a uh, poor woman on Point o tom gets mauled by her neighbor's dog. The cops on the scene, I can actually see them writing out the report, uh, tip chien uh, tip pit bull. The police department has since climbed down. They've said we don't have the qualifications to identify a pit bull. We don't know what a pit bull is. So that but that word, pit bull, was then taken and run with in the weeks that followed, uh, you know, maulings of children, not necessarily fatal, but the disfigurement, all that came to the fore. We had, you know, a reminder that, you know, Toronto had one, and there's towns in, already in, in Quebec that have them. And then we had this, this quilt show up of, of these, these municipal politicians, all of them under the gun, to do something with a capital D, capital S, about this pit bull scourge. So, yeah, you had all these, you had Longueuil, you had Laval, uh, there were some uh, uh, towns further out in the 450, slapping these things together. Uh, not, 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 no pit bulls here, nothing to see here except for Laval, which had a rather interesting and perhaps farsighted uh, uh, regulation that actually looked at owners rather than dogs. And now we have the Kader administration uh, voting 37-23, uh, and this thing kicks in on Monday, uh, uh, this coming Monday. Of course, it's going to be in court, and uh, you know, as far as I can tell, I'm looking at this. I would, be, I would be very surprised if it didn't get struck down. If only... Uh, because, and I've mentioned this before on air, our provincial government, which is, you know, theoretically in charge of, you know, the the big picture, uh, is still mulling and and trying to find ways to to come out from under his desk after hiding for weeks on this issue and adopt some uniform legislation in Quebec that will regulate potentially dangerous breeds, or indeed proven dangerous breeds. There is no reason or rhyme here, and it's unfair to dog owners, many of whom uh, don't have pit bulls, they may have German shepherds, they may have mastiffs or whatever and are wondering how long before my dog gets added to the list. And this is a dangerous situation uh, politically for Denny Kader and indeed for any other municipal politician because, believe me, as much as we like to think people are concerned about the economy and, and wither Quebec and the future of this great country of ours don't mess with their pets then you've got a problem there you go don't
1: mess with their pets meanwhile speaking of court uh, uber loses yet another injunction today so we know they're going to protest in quebec city the interesting part of this if i heard right uh, from benoit Jugan, they're going to ask cab drivers from all over the province to come to quebec and protest here as well that should be a fun day Oh, it's going to be a fun day. And what's
5: crazy is because this, and uh, excuse me for, for repeating myself, this dog's breakfast of a, of a, of a legislative situation. You remember that last-minute deal that the hapless uh, Transport Minister, Laurent Lassard, cut with Uber. It was on September 8th, 20 days before it kicks in. By my watch, that says tomorrow. Right. Uh, are we going to have these demonstrations coinciding with a resumption or, you know, a, a, a public resumption of theoretically legal Uber? Uber operations? Or is this just another file that the Couillard Liberals have run away from uh, until, until you know, they're like Indiana Jones trying to get away from the boulder on this one. It's not going away and they're going to be stuck with this. I mean, this is, this you know, innovation, uh, ride sharing, yes, we have legislation, but the taxi industry has a very, very simple reply to all of this. Make them go away. They're illegal. We don't want to deal with them. So unless someone, Ossard, or God help, is Philip Couillard, stands up and basically reads everybody the riot act on this i think we're going to have we're going to have problems that are how can i put it are in a pit bull class by themselves
1: Ooh. despite the fact that as you said if this goes now without an injunction being granted this yeah. goes into effect tomorrow so legally uber drivers can be back on the road
5: yes i mean theoretically satisfying those road- conditions well, yeah, but, 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 but once again, the, the taxi drivers don't care. I'll bet you there are a lot of taxi sheriffs out there getting, you know, putting on their little stars and their funny hats waiting to go out and you know, go, go hunting for Uber drivers yeah. tomorrow, or perhaps the day after. I don't know if it's legal or calendar days. But the fact of the matter is, this is a perfect example of how lately this government has decided, this provincial government has decided, uh, you know, if I sit down and, and wait long enough and, and not do anything about a problem, it'll go away on a own. It's not going to go away on its own. And, and the reality is, you know, I'm not saying people are as passionate about Uber as they are about their pets, but they certainly have a real affection for Uber. And I don't think, you know, the taxi industry right now is covering itself in glory uh, with not just its, 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 its legal challenges, which it has every right to do, but this suggestion that, you know what, give us what we want or there's going to be trouble. Because right now, I'd say their popularity among the general public isn't exactly soaring.
1: All right. You wrote, will post-truth politics make their way to Canada in time for the next election? What does that mean, Jim?
5: What it means is I watched the debate last night, as you well know, and I came. I had the epiphany that whereas up until now, even in the States, but certainly in this country... Uh, political debates do have a big role to play i 'm guessing from what I saw last night, they have no role to play whatsoever everyone 's already con- <laughs> everyone 's already convinced uh, social media now has eliminated the middlemen a bunch of middlemen and i 'm wondering we have we have two leadership campaigns coming up here one for the for the uh, federal conservatives, another for the uh, for the n d p and indeed the third if you want to count what 's happening with the p q it 's like it just get my message out. It doesn't matter if it's completely true or completely false. All that matters is what people, uh, people remember. And it's called it's called post-truth politics. It doesn't matter if it's right or if it's wrong or if it's true or if it's false. Does it work? Does it get us votes? And, you know, I know we're talking about what happened last night, but one of the things I'm, I'm – a story that's really gone on the radar for the past couple of days is our buddy Jean-Francois Lise, who seems slowly but surely – uh... to be transforming the pq leadership race not so much into an issue, a question of sovereignty or when do we hold a referendum, which I think a lot of pay-kissed are heaving a sigh of relief over. What he's almost turning this into is a referendum on identity and on immigration. He came out yesterday uh, straight up. Immigration is not that big a boost to Quebec's economy. We're taking too many immigrants. Uh, He had a very controversial phrase where he said the best place to to recruit immigrants from would be uh, uh, Brussels or Paris or Barcelona, suggesting we're talking about, you know, white European Francophones he amended that later, later in, in, in the day he said he included Shanghai and, and some other places around the world that led Makakoto, who is a a PQMNA of, of Cameroon who originally comes from Cameroon mm-hmm. uh, to, to launch into an, uh, well pretty much an attack on, on Jean-Francois Lise he chose his words carefully he, didn't, he says he's not a racist he's not a xenophobe but he's, he's embarking on a very slippery debate here I think, I think this is not accidental I think Lise knows that the last thing on earth most of the rank-and-file pay kiss want to talk about is separation. Identity politics right now, it, it, it blew up in their face in, in, in 2014. Uh, but right now, it's almost like the flavor of the week, Aaron, and I think we'll be hearing a lot more about immigration and identity, not just in the PQ leadership campaign, but in the National Assembly in the weeks to come, because uh, the Liberals are supposed to produce their own, how can I put it, Charter of Quebec Values.
1: So we're getting off the whole idea of language and now moving to immigration. Yeah.
5: And and because and and but here's the problem: Will we see that kind of post truth enormities uttered here, yeah. whether it's in Quebec or in Canada, that we heard last night? That remains to be seen. But uh, I got to tell you, if it's if somebody's calling Donald Trump Mr. President after November eighth, you may see a lot of interesting post post truth ramifications when it comes to debates and and politics in this
1: country. All right, Jim. Thanks so much. Talk to you tomorrow. James Menni, the Montreal Gazette.
0: You're listening to the Aaron Rand Podcast. Hear the show live weekdays 3-7 to on CJAD 800. On the
1: line with Guillaume Lavoie, a critic, of course, or a member of rather Projet Montréal, uh, their finance critic. But in this particular case, Monsieur Lavoie, we're going to talk pitbull bull bans. I noticed everyone in Projet Montréal voted against this, yet it still passed. So what was the issue today?
6: Well, the issue the administration, and Mr. Coderre wanted to do a very populist move after the terrible events uh, we've had with the, uh, the death of uh, Madame Vatney, the mayor thought that he would make uh, easy headlines by banning pit bulls. And this is called a, a breed-specific legislation, BSL. The problem is that both the facts, the jurisprudence, and even science uh, is telling us that every, everywhere this has been put in place, there's been uh, very little, if not uh, no impact on the number of bites and the number of incidents, as it's never worked. And all the main cities where it was in place now, the global trend is to be moving away from that VSL uh, uh, business and writing a, a law that makes sense, which is to target dangerous dogs and not going after a specific breed.
1: Was there some middle ground here not to be able to be reached, did you feel?
6: Oh, well, not the, entire of the, the entirety of the bylaws, not nonsense, but that particular uh, piece of it is, is crazy because it's inapplicable, it's uh, inefficient, it's very costly, and it will give the politicians a false sentiment of accomplishment, and worse, give the population a false uh, sentiment of safety. And if you look at, say, the the, the core, uh, the, the, the people to go to on this one, the science, the experts, uh, the College of Veterinarians from Quebec, Canada, the U.S. all say that BSL does not work, and it's actually a dangerous uh, path towards uh, not achieving your goal and not providing more safety to the population. Even the White House, Obama's White House, has taken a position against okay. this. Uh, so we're pretty alone in this uh, in this uh, in, in this area. And, uh, and and what is troubling me very much is that. The KADER administration, not only in this dossier, but more, it's, it's a pattern now. You know, good policymaking is evidence-based policymaking. And now with Qadir, the pattern, it's politics-led evidence-making. And they announced this with no studies to back it up, with no good uh, examples to quote, saying that we, we're going to do this. It's, it makes okay. for, I'll tell you, an easier headline, but it does not provide for a safer city.
1: Monsieur Lavoie, thanks so much. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Guillaume Lavoie of projet Montréal voting against that along with all the other party members today. That's just one aspect of the vote against. The other is, of course, from veterinarians. You've heard how the SPCA feels about this. Dr. Judith Weissman is a veterinarian uh, in the Plateau. Uh, Dr. Weisman, what's your reaction to this ban going through today?
7: Well, I'm, um, none of us are surprised, but we're all discouraged, disappointed, very disappointed.
1: What is it, I mean, with respect to what happens going forward, let's say you get caught on the street, you don't have the paperwork, the permit, whatever. uh, What happens, the dogs end up at the SPCA? They end up at a vet's clinic and you have to euthanize a dog?
7: Well, first of all, I'm not even clear what will happen. I'm not sure how the dogs will end up where they end up. So I can't speak to that because I don't think there's enough clarity about that. But I think what you're uh, referring to is simply that... um, Yeah, someone gets a ticket, someone doesn't have the appropriate paperwork, someone failed the test that the city made out for them, and now they're stuck with a dog that um, is illegal, let's say. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. Are those dogs going to be – I I really don't know. I don't think anybody knows. If they end up at my clinic, though, there's no way that we're euthanizing healthy, well-behaved dogs. If we're talking about an instance of aggression towards a human – and there's a job to do, that's a completely different situation. I think what's really, really frustrating in the situation is that there are current bylaws in place. And had the city been enforcing them at the time of the tragedy we all know of from the summer, Madame Badnet, if the city had been enforcing current bylaws, we wouldn't be in this predicament because that dog would have been assessed and potentially euthanized before it even got to that point.
1: With respect to veterinarians, and I know this is not a singular opinion, you've obviously spoken to your colleagues, and I believe we heard from the Veterinarian Association earlier in this debate. Uh, No one is on board with this. Were you consulted at all, as far as you know? And when I say you, I mean veterinarians in general?
7: No, but as this process was unfolding, the veterinarians of Quebec were given um, guidelines and um, guidance by the OMBQ, our veterinary order, and um, it's clear that we don't our obligations are to act uh, medically and conscientiously, and we're not ethically obliged to euthanize healthy animals, but uh, the order has mentioned that it will be a veterinarian's obligation to guide people towards the appropriate uh, veterinarian who may be willing to do such a job. I must say, and I, I'm bringing something up that may be a little bit new, but what what prompted me to write my open letter to Mayor Kader was the fact that the Berger Blanc stepped up in the last couple of weeks and said, but we'll be happy to help Montreal out during these difficult times. And that is very, very, very concerning to me. We all know what euthanasia looked like there five years ago. That, to me, is a horrifying situation. Um, yeah.
1: Is the city left with, I mean... <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, uh, my is that son. yours? That's yes, okay. Yeah,
7: he is my little. And he knew that I was going to be on the radio. That there That's was okay. No, just wait a few seconds,
1: sweetie. It's going to be all right. All right. He's okay. okay. I won't keep you much longer. I just to go back to what you said about Berger Blanc now. So. You know, here's the battle. The SPCA has basically said, for all intents and purposes, they're not going to go ahead and euthanize these dogs when they're brought to them, which leaves Berger Blanc, who apparently don't care. They'll euthanize whatever has to be done or, you know, whatever pets have to be euthanized when this all takes effect. So what happens going forward? I, I don't understand here. Does the SPCA just say, okay, we're not doing it? So another company says, we will? Well, let's
7: put, let's put in it the big difference. For, for, for one thing, Berger Blanc is a for-profit pound. That is responsible uh, for a few city contracts, and the SPCA is also responsible for a few city contracts. And um, I'm a little distracted, so i was okay. trying. But the, this, the the SPCA is a is a has a partnership arrangement with boroughs, and they're trying to help boroughs manage animal care. It's a very complicated dossier because there are lots of factors involved. As far as what will happen going forward, honestly. We don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I think there needs to be a lot of clarification, and we will all find out how this goes okay. forward. Yeah.
1: All right, listen, I know you want to take care of your little one there, so go ahead, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thanks so much.
7: Thank you so much. and so sorry about that. Don't
1: be sorry at all. There you go. So there's the, the view from one veterinarian, and I'm sure... Uh, that's pretty much the case across the board. The Order of Veterinarians basically came out and said so the other day, last week, uh, not in support of this bill, which went through today, the Pitbull ban. You're
0: listening to the Aaron Rand Podcast. Hear the show live weekdays 3 to 7 on CJAD
1: 800. Pat Lagasse is on the line, the press columnist, and who joins us every afternoon at this time. So, Pat, let's uh, just start real quick. Clinton Trump, last night, what would you think?
8: Uh, I, I think that Trump was being Trump. I think that Trump was being uh, the the ignoramus that he has shown himself to be uh, since he entered public life, political life in, 20, uh, in 2012. Uh, I think that Hillary Clinton won, but that's what I wrote in La Presse uh, this morning, Aaron. Even if she won, I'm not sure that she's going to win uh, this election because if 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 uh, Trump was being Trump yesterday. Uh, you know, I don't think that he lost any voters uh, that was that were already supporting him uh, up until now. And, right. and those who do support him, support him very steadfastly.
1: Well, I'm guessing, and you're right, I think that's the obvious part of this is, right? If you're supporting Trump already, you've made up your mind a long time ago, and nothing he does... No matter how odd or stupid it may look to other people, is going to change their minds. So that that's a given, right?
8: There you go. And we're we're still five, uh, what five odd uh, weeks yeah, from the 40, election.
1: Forty-two days, I guess they said. Yeah,
8: forty-two days. You look. Uh, if I'm Donald Trump uh, and and I have just a bit of, uh, of lucidity uh, yet uh, still in my body, you know, I, I will I will see that I did not perform well yesterday. What I do is I would not do another debate with mrs clinton and 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 you know what let people forget what a disaster this was and and go back to my game plan which was you know just say anything and a lot of people will believe it and you never know what can happen on election day
1: i was going to ask you that so you're actually suggesting because this is a rumor that came out today that his you know some people are advising or suggesting to trump Mm -hmm. that he not even take part in the next two debates you think that's a good strategy
8: Look, he, he did survive stuff that would have uh, killed other candidacy. Uh, for instance, uh, he, 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 at one point during the during the Republican uh, leadership uh, <clears throat> leadership run, he for instance he said he said he was asked about you know what do you think of America's nuclear triad? Nuclear triad is is the three pillars of uh, the nuclear response, and his answer didn't make sense imagine any other candidate in the past 20 years not knowing how to manage the uh, nuclear arsenal it mm-hmm. would have it would have sunk those candidacy imagine any other candidate that would have been uh, dog whistling uh, to the xenophobic uh, uh, strata of the electorate it would have killed their candidacy for trump even refusing to release his income tax returns is not a uh, a game ender. So, I, you know, any other candidate that would run away from debate would be would be shot down, I think, in the past years. His candidacy survives all kind of oddities, and I think he could survive this one.
1: You know, here's what I'm thinking. If the race is as close as the most recent polls suggest, in other words, let's call it, you know, a coin flip either way, because it's yeah. that close in most states. <laughs> That leaves the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. You want to call them fringe parties because they're not going to get much of the way of votes, but they represent together maybe 13 percent of the voting. So I think the idea is, and tell me if you disagree, in these debates, certainly last night, people who were sort of leaning that way or thinking of not voting at all because they don't like either candidate, more likely to now suggest that they would vote for Hillary than for Donald Trump. No, isn't that the part of the vote they're trying to win here?
8: Yeah I th- I think you're 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 right and and with those fringe candidacies as you said I think the danger is having uh, you know remember Ralph Nader in 2000 yeah, I I think sure. this 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 run is this heritage run, this runs heritage is still disputed to this day but one cannot help but think that you know if you're going to vote in 2000 for Ralph Nader you're probably not going to vote. If you don't vote for him, you're not going to vote for Bush. You're probably going to go with Gore. And in the end, I do believe that it did not help Al Gore's candidacy. Same here. If, if, if one does not want to vote for Hillary Clinton and has other option, it does at the end, in the end, it does, it does not favor Mrs. Clinton.
1: All right. Let's move on and talk about something closer to home. Uh, we found yeah. out today the taxi industry, again, losing uh, on their move to get an injunction against Uber. Uh, they don't. I don't know what's next. They said today. I'm not sure if this is a threat or not, or an organized demonstration. They're going to go to Quebec City uh, and basically get together in front of the National Assembly to let uh, Premier Cuillard know they're not happy. And then they're apparently planning to organize uh, taxi drivers from across the province to come to Quebec and form some kind of a protest here. So what do you think about all this?
8: Okay, first, first of all, uh, you know, demonstrating is a guaranteed right. Uh, and the, the, the courts have oftentimes protected that right. And I think if they want to protest, if they want to have a rally or whatever, they can do that. They're also, uh, they're also free agents. They, they don't have to report and work. They're not government workers. Right. If, if, they, if they want to stay home, they can stay home. My bug here is that uh, the, the, their spokesperson, Guy Chevrette, whom you know is a former senior cabinet minister uh, with the PQ, uh, he, he's their spokesperson. He speaks for the taxi industry. I was aghast uh, a couple of, of weeks ago when Mr. Chevrette predicted that, you know, there might be social unrest. Uh, there might be, uh, they, they might break some stuff uh, because they're so mad at the government's uh, deal with uh, Uber. To me, this was an irresponsible statement, not condemning or, or saying out loud that the, the driver should not do that. And now, as you said, the, the, the taxi industry has, has been refused, rebuked for a second time uh, in, 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 in their quest to get a, a second injunction about uh, against this deal between the Quebec government and uh, Uber. And w- Mr. Chavret had some pretty, pretty irresponsible words after the judge refused this injunction injunction today, Aaron, he said that, you know, I'm going to quote, I'm paraphrasing, but he inferred that the case for the judge, Michel Yergeau, was too politically charged for him uh, to rule on the issue. And he even said that the judge, uh, he he used a a, a very, very colourful image, he said that uh, in French, he said that the judge pissed in his boots. I mean, this, we have an independent judiciary in this province, in, this, province, in yeah. this country. There is no indication that any judge is afraid of the Quebec government. And I think it's pretty respons- irresponsible from a former cabinet minister who knows how democracy works to go and try and really... Uh, uh, undermine the, the 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 perception that we can have about the the judiciary's, uh independence.
1: So, but what happens going forward? So they have the right to protest. Obviously, mm-hmm. I get that, and they're going to get support from other cab drivers across the province. Fine, that'll mess things up in the city for motorists one day. Not going to win them any votes or any favors no. from them. But what's what's the long play here? What's the end game for the cab drivers? Uh,
8: you know, I think they're, they're one of two options. First of all, uh, when we see the the the, uh, the 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 pilot project that's going to go uh, on with the Uber, if if they want to contest it on the merits, maybe then. Because now the judge, what the judge said was, you know, there's no emergency once the, once the rule once the new environment is set up maybe they can contest it that's the first thing and after that it becomes a political fight i mean if they do if they do stay home and they do stop providing the service uh, that they're providing, maybe it puts pressure in the government and the government changes hearts about, uh, has a change of heart about uh, the deal with Uber. But really, I don't, uh, I have difficulty seeing how they can overturn this. Well, thing. yeah,
1: plus that takes money out of their own pocket. I mean, who are they hurting at the end of that? Yeah,
8: look, they're, 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 if you know a couple of taxi drivers, and I know I, I, I do because 10 years ago, about 10 years ago for the Journal de Montréal when I was there, I did a stint uh, as a taxi driver, and they're pretty, uh, you know, a, a lot of good people in the taxi industry, but they're not known for their, uh, uh, their sense of, of team, their sense of collectivity. Right. They're pretty individualistic uh, people. And, and really, I don't see, I, I have difficulty, Aaron, seeing most of the taxi drivers in this city and this province staying home for a month and uh, renouncing a lot of income just because they, they, they want to yeah. make a point.
1: Pat, merci beaucoup. Talk okay. to you tomorrow. Take sure. care. Pat Lagasse like from La Presse.
0: You're listening to the Aaron Rand Podcast. Hear the show live weekdays 3-7 on CJAD 800.
1: It's been the subject of a lot of debate. I'll tell you what, we took some very uh, irate phone calls earlier this afternoon, just after 5 o'clock actually, when this story first, well, we started talking about it. It actually happened just after 3 o'clock. Uh, the city said they do it, and they did. A lot of people objected. 23 ac- opposed, 37 in favor of the pitbull ban. This is the new pitbull ban that will go into effect October 3rd. One of those voting against was City Councillor Marvin Rotrand, Is on the line right now. So, Marvin, why did you vote against this today? I
9: voted against it because it's bad public policy. It's a simplistic solution to a complex problem. It isn't going to work. The experience elsewhere shows that. All the experts say it isn't going to work, and the re- approach of responsible dog ownership is what we should be practicing. Now, uh, this was done very, very quickly with no consultation. On the one hand, you've got the city civil service um, claiming they've studied 12 other municipalities. So They won't give us the list because some of those may have repealed the breed-specific ban versus all the experts, the SPCA, the ASPCA, the Order de Médecins Veterinaires de Québec, the Canadian Veterinary Association, the Humane Society, the American Veterinary Society, Centers for Disease Control, President Obama, and tons of other experts. And in the United States, you may not know this, Aaron. 22 American states have a law that prevents municipalities and their from adopting a bylaw of the type that Montreal adopted today. And on one side, um, you know, we all want safer communities. We all want fewer dog bites or incidents. But, however, no um, evidence was given by the administration uh, that this was a better approach. In fact, what's been happening in Canada over the last number of years is cities are repealing their breed-specific bans that were adopted in the 1980s and 90s, like Edmonton and Vancouver have said This type of ban is cruel and ineffective. You end up euthanizing dogs based on their appearance rather than their behavior. Edmonton went from saying you can't have a pit bull, and if it's not a licensed grandfathered-in pit bull, we'll destroy it if we find it, to one saying that it's the behavior of the dog of any breed that decides whether the dog has to be put down or not. Now, under the new bylaw, um, the city is going to be a t- lot tougher on people to make sure they get uh, a dog license. Um, if it's a pit-, pit bull, you have to go through a process initially of getting a certificate from the police department and several other steps. It costs about $650, years, $650, uh, and after that, it'll be $150 a year. Well, let,
1: let me stop you right there. Hold on. I, I want. I don't think a lot of people even knew this was part of what's going on here. So, When this goes into effect, October 3rd, if you own a pit bull, if you're an existing pit bull owner, what will you have to do? Well,
9: you have to go through a lot of steps. One of which is you have to get the police department to certify that you don't have a criminal record... To be able to own a pit bull, you have to be able to prove your pit bull's been sterilized. You have to get a microchip put in, and you have to get the license. This costs about $650. Wow. After that, it's going to be $150 annually. Now, these animals are grandfathered in if you, as long as you have the permit by December 31st. If you don't and the dog patrol finds your pit bull on the 2nd of January, let's say, with no license, it will automatically be euthanized uh, because it's not a registered, recognized uh, uh, dog, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, restricted dog. For other dogs, um, the fines begin at $300 if you don't have a permit, but also for a whole series of nuisances. For example, if your dog is off the leash or your dog gets into somebody's garbage, Uh, you will uh, pay the fine. A new uh, thing for a lot of people will be, you need a cat uh, permit as well. Uh, If your cat is not sterilized, it's $30 a year. If your cat is sterilized, it's $10 a year. Um, There there are different aspects of the bylaw, but basically it's a sort of a punitive approach. And it's based on saying, hey, if we get rid of pit bulls, suddenly dog bites will go down. It's not the case. What's happened elsewhere is uh... you've got Ontario in Toronto. There's supposedly a ban on pit bulls has been in place since 2005, and yet the number of dog bite incidents go up. One of the reasons is irresponsible owners just get other dogs that they perceive can be uh, trained very easily to be aggressive and vicious. And uh, you know what the city said today, which I hadn't even realized is that the executive committee now has discretionary power they could ban other breeds if they think german shepherds are are dangerous they can just by ordinance uh... in the future without any debate in city council decree that german shepherds are persona non grata in the city of montreal now the only good thing that came out of today's debate the only humane thing is the administration made um, an amendment that uh... If a pit bull is registered and grandfathered in, and its owner dies, it will not automatically have to be euthanized. Someone from the same family or living at the same address can have the permit transferred to them. That was the only change that was made. Now, um, I don't think we're going to be any safer. And I don't think the resources are going to be put there to really uh, make this bylaw work. I think some people will be caught in situations that can be extremely difficult for them. And I don't think the city will uh, succeed in its goal of supposedly uh, controlling dangerous dogs. That's why I, I voted against. I did not think it was wise policy. I thought it was uh, far too easy just to say ban put pit bulls and will be a lot safer.
1: Speaking with Montreal City Councilor Marvin Rotrent, who voted against the pit bull ban that was approved by City Council today. Uh, Two questions, Marvin, before we wrap up. Number one, we heard the mayor say, and I've said before he says this because, of course, he pretty much has to say this, saying he's certain, uh, at least it seems, that this this ban will, will withstand a legal challenge. Do you believe it will? Well,
9: the experience elsewhere generally has been that bans are upheld by the courts. Uh, for a wide variety of reasons, not to say that they consider them to be moral or effective, but they've bought the arguments that have been made on public safety and elsewhere. So I'm not sure that the bylaw will be broken. I know there's going to be a couple of legal challenges, and I'm reading online some well-known lawyers in Quebec or have clients who want to challenge it, right. but I'm not sure that's going to be successful. Um, you know i i think the battle begins tomorrow to win other amendments uh, first of all i i heard nothing today about how the city is going to run a publicity campaign to let people know what their legal obligations are i guess they figure the fact that it was in the newspapers is going to be enough to get people to go and properly register their pets but i I'm, I'm going to guess gonna be a ton of people who are going to be shocked to learn in January that their pets are now at, at risk uh, of being euthanized or that they could be fined because uh, their animal doesn't have all the proper permits.
1: By the way, I, I wonder how many people even knew that this would cost them over and above the cost of that permit, which people now are aware of, that it would cost as much money as you've outlined just to be able to comply with this law. Well, I
9: want to stress the 650 bucks is only for pit bulls. It's only in the first year after that. It's an affordable $150 yeah. a year. Um, and it's $150 for other dogs are are declared to be dangerous. Other than that, you can get a permit for a mere $50 for up to three dogs. Um, I can't remember which clause it is in the bylaw. But uh, if you live in an apartment or a a housing unit that has more than three units of housing, a building with more than three Mm -hmm. units of housing, you can't have three dogs. You can have two or fewer. That is one or two. Um, There's all sorts of stuff in there that people should read and should take notice of. Now, it's the law of the land, and unfortunately, you know, we, in, a, in a democratic society, we have to live with the law of the land. But this doesn't mean that people shouldn't be looking for uh, how they might win improvements on that. And the funny thing of all, all this, there's a number of MLAs in Ontario who are consulting. It's an inter-party type of thing about actually moving A law to abolish Ontario's ban that it has ineffectively been in place since 2005. So we might be ending up as one of the last places in North America to
1: adopt a a bylaw of this sort, and then overturn it. All right, Marvin, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Listen
0: to the Aaron Rand Show live weekdays three till seven on CJAD 800 and at CJAD.com.